0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode one of the Out of Control Podcast. We're your hosts, Amber and Nini. And today, let's dive into 2020 and how COVID affected our lives and the lives of those around us.
1: Well, firstly... You and I, we both had very different experiences when COVID hit um, and all throughout. Um, I had just graduated the summer 2019 and moved back home from Seattle, and I was just planning on chilling for a little bit for a few months before picking up pace again and starting to look for work and everything, Um, and you had just started a job at Amazon, so you had to go out into the world right Mm -hmm. when the pandemic first hit I literally was just staying home as much as I could Mm -hmm. um in January when it first when the news first came out it seemed so surreal and I didn't think it was going to blow into a huge pandemic right um Lunar New Year was happening towards the end of January so we had a lot of festivities going mm-hmm. on and that was when like the first few cases started getting really serious and I remember my mom and I had actually planned to go to this huge celebration almost like a banquet thing at I'm pretty sure it was the the aria I don't know <laughs> um, and we asked my dad if he wanted to go and he was the one that was actually very very cautious about it ever mm-hmm. since the very beginning and he was, he was completely against it. He didn't even want my mom and I to go. But my mom kind of likes events and parties. So <laughs> we went. Um, and he was just saying, you know, be careful this whole time. You have no idea what's going on in the mm. world right now. And me and my mom were like, oh, no, it's fine. So we yeah. went. Um, but then it, it started getting very serious very quickly. I couldn't find N95 masks at Walmart or Lowe's, like anywhere. They were all sold out around February. And that's, I think, when it hit that this is actually a thing. Mm -hmm. And for me personally, you know, I was kind of done sitting at home for a few months now, and I wanted to pick my life up again. I actually signed up for this acting program, in um, Los Angeles, and I was planning on moving there for the month of the class in March. And that is exactly when quarantine hit mm. in Vegas. So I was mm. like, oh, okay, I guess I'm not going to Los Angeles anymore. In fact, I usually run around my neighborhood as exercise um, a few times a week, and that had to stop too. Mm. It was that scary for us.
0: It was a big change of pace for you for just coming out of college and having to come home and have plans, but having it kind of switched around. Yeah,
1: know. it was all of my plans basically completely crumbled before my eyes. Ugh. And not only that, but my grandma, my aunt, and my cousin were visiting from China for Christmas. Mm. And they were planning on staying until, I want to say, mid-February, maybe. But when everything happened so quickly, my grandma was like a very big factor in how we were approaching this. Mm-hmm. Because she's older and we didn't want to accidentally expose her to anything. Right. So pretty much everyone in my family was just staying at home. We went grocery shopping maybe once a week to buy enough for two households. Actually, no, three households because Mm -hmm. um, of my aunt and her husband.
0: Your world was almost turned upside down in a way.
1: Yeah. We would try to get out of the house sometimes just to drive down the strip just so that we could, you know, see the outside world. And... My grandma was so paranoid that she wore a mask inside the car the entire time, (laughs) um, which is totally understandable. And we're, I just feel very lucky to be in a position where I didn't have to go to work. Mm. You know, it's very different kind of of the situations
0: that we were both in. As you kind of touched up on at the beginning, I was not able to stay home. And for me, starting out 2020 was similar to you. I had just graduated in the winter of 2019. So going into January of 2020, um, I had just started my full-time job as one of the warehouse managers. And I didn't imagine for me to go throughout my job and for me to put a lot on the line, um, honestly, a lot of my safety, the safety of my family on the line in order for me to make you know, a living. And I think it really hit home when the pandemic first started. I remember distinctly when I was at work one day, this was March, And all of a sudden, there were communications that came out that had us changing over 150 policies in order for us to keep our associates safe. And this was at a time when I didn't even know how to keep myself safe, let alone others in my Mm -hmm. life, you know, and it caused a bit of a frenzy within me. I definitely couldn't have let that show um, because of what i did for work and how i had to proceed and keep everybody else safe but definitely it was a time of big fear for me i was very very scared of bringing something home or not taking the right precautions in order to keep um, the ones that i love safe there was a lot of unknowns a lot of answers that i didn't know and things were changing rapidly every every hour sometimes. And it just became a time when I had to adapt and be okay with having to go out every day physically. Uh, work from home was not an option with my line of work. I had to go out. You know, I had to go see my associates every day. I had to be there to manage. And it Almost put me in a sense of heightened fear because of everybody else around me who I graduated with. They were able to stay at home. They were able to work remotely with their team members, with their peers, and finish what they had to do and earn a living in the safety of their home. Um, I remember actually when. The, I think our governor had stated that only essential workers can, you know, go out into the public unless you're picking up groceries or essentials. But, you know, our company had to give us letters of stating that we are essential workers. And that's what I became, an essential worker during the pandemic. And it was it was crazy to think about that. I was an essential worker and I had a play in this bigger picture than myself. It was definitely hard for me to get a grasp on all of this all at once in such a short amount of time when it started. But I think as time went on, I found my way to adjust. I found my way to cope and I found my way to be okay with so much uncertainty and so much, you know, fear that was shrouding everyone, you know, the whole world, kind of resonates to how different I guess you and I started off 2020 Mm -hmm. and kind of the experiences that we kind of felt in the onset of the pandemic Mm -hmm. but how was it once it started moving along how was it in the middle of 2020 for you
1: well I can say in the beginning Mm -hmm. there was a lot of animal crossing yes (laughs) and a lot of baking which I think just helped pass the time mm-hmm. a lot. And it helped me not think about the worst case scenarios and looking on social media and seeing so many deaths happening. Like it didn't, it seemed like the death toll wasn't going to stop. And that really scared me and made me fear for my family's lives. I was seeing so many people our age lose people in their family due to COVID. And it I think I probably cried a few times because that is one of my biggest fears, I would say, losing my family members at um, a younger age.
0: Would you say there was a shift of thought or a shift in kind of how you, you saw the world and the new world of COVID?
1: You know, it was a really crazy few months in the beginning because COVID had come out and there were rumors that it started in China. Mm. So there was like an explosive amount of racism and xenophobia towards Asians in general my mom actually had this experience while grocery shopping where she was grabbing something in the frozen aisle, I think. So mm. she had opened um the door to grab something and there was somebody next to her that almost yelled like, don't touch me or something like that. Mm. And my mom was nowhere close to her. And that really hurt me that I wasn't there with her to stand up for her because her English isn't amazing, mm. right? She can't stand up for herself using English. And in that situation, I wouldn't have wanted her to. Mm-hmm. Because if she had said something that struck the wrong chord, something a lot worse could have happened. I was just like, where was I during this? Yeah, Why wasn't I there? And I think that was one of the first times where Racism in this country really had a direct impact on mine and my family's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, it's always kind of there in the background, but I don't think, at least, I've never experienced something so blatant. And I guess I still haven't, because my mom was the one that experienced that. Yeah. So, I guess COVID really opened my eyes to mm. that part of the world mm-hmm. And on top of that BLM and mm-hmm. everything that was happening, it just made everything so stressful and I found myself on social media a lot because I just had so much time on my hands and just looking through the posts and everything it just it made me so sad about the world that we live in. It made me feel like wow, there's nothing I can do. To stop these things that are happening, it made me feel so powerless. Right. Because I wanted to go out to the protests mm, yeah. and I couldn't because of COVID. Right. I just, there was nothing I could do and that just, I never felt so powerless in my life.
0: But then there's also activism, you mm-hmm. know, there's there's voices being heard on, you know, social media mm-hmm. and voices being heard on the streets and mm-hmm. protests.
1: I'm actually really grateful for social media and how fast information can be spread just by simply sharing a post. Right. And I feel like through that, I actually learned a lot about the history of racism in America. Mm. Right. There were so many new books that are on my list to read, so many new documentaries that I want to be able to watch to educate myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, where was I going with this? <laughs> being an ally yes so I found myself doing a lot more research and I was almost shocked at the information that I was reading I tried to post on my own story as much as possible and even if it you know reached one person that would learn something new that was enough mm-hmm. we actually got into an argument with our friends we sure because did. of the protests and BLM and stuff. I feel like what we learned is that we were all on the same page. Mm. It was just nitty gritty things that we disagreed on. Right,
0: the granular,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, the bits and pieces that make up the whole picture. Mm-hmm. Whether we disagree and whether we agree, and in what degree, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you know, during the middle of, I think. Summer of 2020, kind of adjusting. I think we were all in adjustment mode of how do we safely live and protect the ones we love and make a living while also supporting those in need that are not within our communities, right? And I think for me, going into the middle of the year, there was a lot of adjustments, a lot of changes that needed to happen in terms of my personal routine. After I went to work, I made it a point to my family that I lived with that I'm going to come home And I'm going to make sure that I take off everything that I wore at work, hop in the shower before I can do anything with you guys. And my worst fear was to bring something home to my family when I was mainly one of the only people going out besides my dad. You know, Um, he was also working in the hospitality industry, so he Mm -hmm. had to go out and had to see customers and um, it just changed our routines, you know, we had to take a shower, we had to sanitize ourselves and bulk up on all the disinfectants that we could find mm-hmm. post everyone, you know, taking over the grocery stores, but that we, was a
1: big change. We would send like snapchats or text messages to each other. Anytime we saw <laughs> yeah. things were in supply, we were yep. like, if you need this, come here, they have it. Yeah,
0: it was very much so scrambling for the things we <laughs> needed. And I think that's what scared my parents the most, mm. is they looked to Korean media a lot. Mm. And when they saw that, you know, they were reacting in a way that concerned them, mm-hmm. it concerned my parents. And seeing everybody take over the grocery stores, I mean, my mom, she, she freaked out. I remember her telling me, how do I, how do I feed you guys?
1: Mm.
0: You know, they ran out of beef and they ran out of eggs and i couldn't pick them up and it broke my heart it made me feel as though wow this is there's a lot going on and how do i how do i help to kind of make her feel at ease and how do i make those around me at ease including myself
1: mm-hmm. you know and that's hard to do as the child of a parent because especially i feel like coming from asian culture mm-hmm. our parents always see us as their babies mm-hmm. right so we feel this need to comfort them but at the same time, they're feeling even more powerless because mm-hmm. they see it as their job to be the ones that protect us. Right. I actually had this kind of similar experience where I needed to go buy shampoo one day. Yeah. And it was just going to be a super quick run to Vaughn's or something right next to my house. But it would have, I guess, been the first time I had been out of the house. Mm-hmm. And I came downstairs and I told my Mom, hey, I'm just gonna go to Vaughn's to pick up some shampoo because I'm running out, and she yelled at me. Ah, she was like, D- "You better not go out. Uh, it's so dangerous out there. What are you thinking?" Blah blah blah. blah. And I was just like. I just, I really need to buy these things. You know, it's going to be a super quick run. I'm going to be super safe, you know, do everything um, precautionary. And I was getting annoyed that my mom wasn't letting me go out to run this simple errand. Mm -hmm. You know, it would have taken no time at all. Just in and out, super quick. And then she said, I'll go. Mm. And that's when I was like, no, I'm the younger one. I should be the one going out to buy groceries anyway. I should be the one protecting you guys in this situation. And then my dad said, no, you're our child. It's always going to be our jobs to protect you. And oh my gosh, the way I teared up, I was like, I don't need shampoo anymore. (laughs) I will live without it. Yeah, but it's just, I feel like, this pandemic has made me realize how much I care about my parents and my family, mm-hmm. how much they mean to me, and how much I value the time I have left to spend with them.
0: COVID definitely taught me so much of how to care for another Mm -hmm. And how to bring ease and bring, you know, scientific data driven facts so that it helps others know that they will be okay and how to protect themselves. And a lot of that stems from having to work working through the pandemic, I had to not only manage my associates, but I, for the most part, for me at least, looking back, I was a beacon of um, security, a sense of being safe. And for them, I had all the answers to how to keep them safe while they made a living wage for their families. And that was quite a task. I honestly didn't know the answer to many of the questions that they asked me. (laughs) It was kind of on the fly where I had to tell them, you know, I'm doing my best to get as much updated information for you um, as possible. I remember we had, as a company, tried to provide masks on the site every day. And of course, there was a delay and a high demand for masks nationwide, worldwide. Mm -hmm. And so for us to even get enough to cover our our site, it was quite a task. And during this period, my associates would ask me, you know, when are we getting masks? Mm -hmm. Why are you not protecting us? And as a manager, you had that sense of responsibility to tell them, hey, we're doing everything that we can to protect you and to keep you safe, but you have to trust us. Mm -hmm. And that was a piece that was kind of tricky because it was a lot of reassurance. It was a lot of information being told and being sent out rapidly. Mm -hmm. I think that it taught all of us that as a community, being resilient and being there for one another is super important. There's a lot of loss that a lot of people had to endure over the last year. And one of the blessings that I've had is to hear everyone's story and to hear their circumstances, much of which differed from what I was experiencing back at home and what, you know, my friends around me were experiencing. And it put things into perspective. It made me so appreciative and grateful for the things that we have. And, you know, every single day is, I think was a challenge for a lot of us, but we showed up, you know, we showed up and we, we kept it going. Mm -hmm. I remember actually distinctly one of my associates, they had come up to me and on the topic of, of loss and the things that Um, A lot of people had to go through. Hearing my associates talk about the loss of their family members and sometimes multiple family members, it was challenging for me to bring them comfort and to tell them that it will be okay at a hard time. Um, And I empathize with them. And it just took a lot out of me, actually. It took a lot out of me to be be that person for hundreds of people. Um, I did my best, you know, I couldn't get to everybody, but you know, (laughs) that's what my team was there for too. They were such a, such an anchor for me. And going through that process and hearing everyone's story taught me that, more than ever, in a time of despair and in a time of uncertainty where answers are not known, um, you have to heavily lean on each other, whether mm-hmm. it be your family, friends, community, you know, the people around you. Uh, that was super important for me during the first half of 2020 is heavily leaning on my friends for when I came back home from work. Man, our Animal Crossing days <laughs> and you know, balloons days, are <laughs>
1: Overcooked. S- overcooked. Oh my gosh. Face times every night. It just, it kept us alive. I probably couldn't have survived without all those face times, yeah. to be honest.
0: It kept us connected, most importantly, when we couldn't see each other and be close. But it's pretty cool that we were able to, to go through that together in the digital world. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh my gosh, I remember in the beginning when there wasn't a lot of scientific information coming out or at least scientific information that we didn't know if we could trust or not. Mm. It was so hard to distinguish, you know, what we knew, what was, you know, false information, who we could even really trust and oh my goodness, how frustrating it was. Well, my mom was just constantly on WeChat University, Kakao University, yeah. WhatsApp University, all of her friends spreading information that was not fact-checked mm-hmm. at all, and because of the language barrier, it was so hard for me to tell her, "Hey, like, I don't know if you can trust this information," right. you know. Um, and she would just say, "Oh no, 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 you know, it's okay. I'm sure it's it's very accurate. It's very accurate." <laughs>
0: <laughs> that must have been hard to dispute you know when when a parent is dead straight
1: on to a fact they saw on wechat it's it's fact to mm-hmm. them, you know mm-hmm. it was just it ended up being kind of funny i think eventually she would listen to me more she trusted my information yeah but she would just tell me the craziest things <laughs> and i would be like mom no stop it <laughs> that's not right yeah
0: i had a lot of those too with my with my parents mm-hmm. and my family um they would hear one thing from a friend who heard it from another friend who didn't fact check or didn't check multiple sources before they really got to their conclusions Mm -hmm. and i think that's what contributed to a lot of the frenzy too is Mm. we didn't know what was fact and what was you know lies a lot
1: of information was being spread around like rapidly
0: fast Mm -hmm. and a lot of it too so how are you to you know narrow down what is true and what is not
1: Uh, What would you say was the moment or thing that helped you during this time where Mm -hmm. you maybe made the shift to being really, really scared and really, really worried to just adapting and almost living with everything that was happening because there was nothing else we could do?
0: I think the shift happened when I had to be okay with going into work. It was almost as if I had no choice but to be okay with it. And um, in hindsight, I think it made me learn more about how the pandemic is shaping our worlds mm-hmm. and our lives and how to be safe living with it. Because we have lived with it for, for so long. And at that time, it didn't seem like it's going to end. Do you
1: remember when they were like, this is going to be a two-week quarantine? And then two weeks turned into a month. And, and then six months. Be, yeah. And, and now here we are. <laughs> now, a year later, we are um, still here. I can't believe we have passed the one-year anniversary Yeah, of quarantine. That's yeah. crazy. And that just goes to show
0: that. Um, and learning how to look at the facts and follow the news and follow as much updates and changes in the world that I could mm-hmm. made me feel more at peace and more informed mm. to approach what may come my way because I didn't know what would come my way until it happened, especially last year. Nothing is predictable.
1: So that was, um, was that like closer to the beginning? I think at the beginning,
0: I was still very much mm-hmm. worried and scared for, for everything, for the yeah. unknown. But as I leaned on my, my friends and my family, um, I felt that I was not, tackling this this whole world by myself and Mm. we were all in it together which we truly were we were all you know jump or dove into this pandemic without a choice and even if it meant you know calling each other to just to check up on each other and texting each other hey how are you and your family that was kind of what we did to get through and honestly for me i had to do it so Mm -hmm. i had no choice but to get comfortable with the uncomfortable Mm. how about for you
1: i think in the very beginning i was one of those people that tried to stay home as much as i can so that i wouldn't endanger anybody. Um, And I was okay with it for a little while, you know, I almost used it as an excuse to be able to spend more time with my family, which I actually really enjoyed. I really appreciated the time because college took up so much of my time. You know, Mm -hmm. I pretty much didn't see my dad for four years because I would be in Seattle nine months out of the year and I would have to go back to China to visit family and just, you know, do stuff there for the summer. And then I would go back immediately to Seattle so mm-hmm. I would see my dad like maybe five weeks total out of the entire year and think that was really hard for me but that's also why I decided to move home after graduating because I just wanted to spend some time with my dad before I had to go into the real world mm-hmm. and so this pandemic served as you know the excuse for me to say hey this isn't my fault this is totally valid i'll just stay home and spend more time with my family um and i think that was probably the one silver lining to everything that's happening right now but because every single one of my own personal goals and my personal plans were completely derailed at some point i was Like, you know what, I can't let this fear completely control me anymore. I, of course, was still being very cautious about everything, sanitizing everything. But at some point, I think it it really gets to you, you know, just staying at home and not being able to see or talk or, you know, hug your friends. I think we all kind of adapted to the fact that we're gonna have to live with this Mm -hmm. for a while. And so I guess that was really in mid-July, August when I started thinking more about how I was going to move forward because I didn't want to be stuck forever, which is how how I was feeling. It must have been
0: challenging to see the world moving along with this scary big monster that is the pandemic, um, including your friends and your family,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and just trying to figure out Out like where you come along in that picture and how you want to dictate your life you know Mm
1: -hmm. I think a lot of the times during 2020 I almost felt like I was failing myself because I didn't feel like I was accomplishing any of the goals that I had set and that took a very big emotional toll Mm -hmm. on me it felt like everyone else I knew at least was doing something to move forward with their life, but because of how scared my family, especially my dad, is of the pandemic, I didn't want to do anything that, you know, might um um I didn't want to do anything that disturbed the peace. The little peace that mm-hmm. we had. Yeah. Change is scary. Especially when it comes so suddenly change that you weren't making. The world was making it for you, and you had no say in it.
0: It was probably the scariest thing I think a lot of us had to had to face
1: in our lifetime, at least. Mm-hmm. A lot of things had to stop. A lot of things had to be put on pause. I think we were very lucky that at least we got to walk for our graduations. Mm-hmm. So many of the students now, you know, they had so many plans canceled, so many big life plans. I mean, it, it really sucks it's now being altered into the digital form. You know, everything is online.
0: Zoom is a big thing. Mm-hmm.
1: Zoom University. Zoom University. <laughs>
0: Change is a big thing that I think we all went through last year one of the biggest um things we were looking forward to um
1: was our
0: japan trip Mm -hmm. we had planned that probably for maybe a year
1: oh no this was in the works like in 2016 2017 because a couple of you guys actually had visited me in seattle and we were just walking in chinatown and joking around like, hey, let's do Japan 2020, like Tokyo 2020 when the Olympics are. <laughs> and everybody was like, all right, bet, you know. Yeah. And then it just seemed so far away that I was the king. There's no way it's going to happen. This is just a joke, right? Because they're all traveling right now. So they just want to, you know, keep the momentum of traveling up. And then as it got closer and closer, it became a thing. Mm-hmm. where a lot of our high school group that, I mean, I hadn't seen you guys consistently for a while. And we were all going on this really big trip together. Yeah. And we were all so excited. Super. <laughs> we
0: planned everything pretty much To the T. We had all of our Airbnbs set. We had all of the plans for where to
1: eat. Mm -hmm. Eating is a big thing. mm, We love to eat. We love food. Mm -hmm. Where (laughs) to sightsee. mm -hmm, Where to sightsee. We were gonna do Japan and then Taiwan, actually. And we were, oh my gosh, we were so excited. It was the
0: trip I think a lot of us were looking forward to mm-hmm. because we all haven't been to these two countries. Mm-hmm.
1: And the majority of us have graduated by mm-hmm. the time, so it was almost like a one big last trip before we really yeah, we really dove into being an adult and having responsibilities. Right. I think we were almost worried or scared that we weren't going to keep in contact anymore after we would start getting really, really busy. Mm-hmm.
0: And this trip would have been kind of like the last powwow, you know? Mm-hmm. Or the powwow after we graduated and kind of celebrating everything that we've done mm-hmm. and just having fun, you know? I think we had hope even up to
1: like when February hit that things wouldn't become as bad as it did. And in February, we were thinking, there's no way this is going to last another four months, right, because our trip was planned for June and sure enough, about a month later,
0: I think all of the borders started closing started closing mm-hmm. and that was our cue to reschedule everything.
1: How did time pass for you?
0: Um, for the most part, I would say time passed by pretty damn fast for me yeah. because there was plenty to do at work and once I got off of work, there was plenty to do at home and once I got to my weekend, there was plenty to do on the weekend, <laughs> you know, catching up on what I needed to finish that I couldn't finish when I had my work days. Mm-hmm. So every day was something new, something busy, something jam-packed and my schedule was pretty, pretty much full every single day, every week. At times, it felt like I was trying to catch a breath and trying to catch a break in order for me to recuperate my energy, my thoughts, and time with my family, you know, my friends, my boyfriend, just juggling all of that around and finding time for not only them, but for myself too, because I very much enjoy my time by myself, you know, I enjoy mm. being with Amber.
1: Mm you time me time was very
0: important and because i was juggling all of this around time was fast the year passed by so quickly for me and it felt as though it was going faster than it did even the year before the pandemic only purely because of how busy we were at work and how much changes had to be implemented which took up a lot of my time so you asking me time went by pretty fast and I can't believe that we're at the one year mark of the pandemic actually mm,
1: 2021 2021 or... aka
0: 2020 2.0 2.0 for sure <laughs> how about for you
1: was time more constant slow or fast uh it was all over the place <laughs> for me um March felt like a decade. I think because there was so much going on. I think there's so many events that happened in 2020 that sometimes when we mention it, we think, that happened in 2020? Like, what the heck? After March, April felt like a blur. Mm -hmm. I was like... Did April just happen? And then May, June, July literally felt like one month. Like, it felt like in a blink of an eye. Summer had gone and passed. But then again, when it hit September, it started feeling slow again. Mm. And it was just kind of a a roller coaster. Up and down. Mm -hmm. But I think also because my life at home was so boring and mundane... And I basically, oh my god, my sleep schedule was whack. Okay. (laughs) Um, You were a night owl, weren't you? I was, uh, I don't know what I was. I was like an afternoon pigeon. (laughs) Um, When I actually came back from college, I don't know what happened, but for some reason, I started waking up in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. When I slept around 11 or midnight, I would wake up at 2 o'clock, and then I would wake up at 4 o'clock, and then I would wake up at 6 o'clock. I just couldn't sleep. And I tried taking melatonin and that didn't work. That's why I started sleeping later and later and later because, you know, my thought process was if I don't fall asleep until three or four in the morning, then I can't wake up at three or four in the morning. Mm -hmm. And then eventually that got later and later and later until there's some points where I was sleeping when the sun came up. I would wake up at around noon or one, and that was the start of my day. So, because I was waking up so late, it felt like I didn't even have half the day. So, a lot of the times, I think after the beginning of the pandemic, every day was passing by in a blink of an eye. Like before I knew it, mm-hmm. it was dinner time. And I was like, wait, are you what? I just had breakfast. So, time was just very. Time did not exist did in not 2020.
0: Exist. It was just all over the place, you kind know? of pockets of. Fast time, slow time, constant Mm -hmm. time, time that wasn't going Mm -hmm. all at once.
1: Yeah, that's how time was. Mm. Time is a social construct. (laughs) So...
0: For me, one of the biggest things we had planned as a family was to make a visit out to Korea to visit my grandparents. And we try to do this every year, if not every other year, just to see them and spend time with them, which we rarely get to do. Um, But obviously, with the pandemic sweeping the world, it made it that much harder and harder for us to... for when to see them next and you know the u.s moves differently than they do over in korea so the medical advances are different there and we're just not sure we were not sure when we would see them next so being safe and taking care of our health and um there was a time when i even offered to send my grandparents groceries you know so they didn't have to go out um which they refused to do because they They swore to me that they needed to keep a sense of their sanity by going out and at least doing something, which I think is something that we all realize during the pandemic is that just staying in one place is very hard. So even if it's going out, taking a walk and seeing nature or just going out to get groceries is a a big deal. You know, And for my grandparents, it was that they preferred to go out and get grab their groceries. But it was those things that made me feel as though there's a lot of things I couldn't control and a lot of things that I wanted to control. Mm. But it was out of my hands and up to something bigger than myself to figure out how we're going to proceed with this. Your level of comfortability or you know, your threshold of how much risk you are comfortable with is something that everyone probably had to ask themselves, including me, is how comfortable am I to go out to the groceries? How comfortable am I to go eat at a Mm -hmm. restaurant once indoor dining had opened up? Mm -hmm. How comfortable am I to visit friends in a different state? Because that meant we had to travel. Mm -hmm. Those are questions that I had to ask myself. But as time went on and as I got more comfortable with COVID and living in the world of COVID, I made sure that I was okay with the level of risk I was exposing to not only myself, but what that would mean for my family coming back home and taking all the precautionary measures that not only did I have to implement at work but to keep myself safe and everybody else around me safe so um, in terms of visiting people and having that risk be there it was something I had to ask myself every single day before I went out
1: yeah I mean I think you kind of became almost an expert out of our (laughs) entire friend group About how to deal with COVID and everything, like how to sanitize everything to be as safe as possible.
0: I was the Lysol queen. Mm. A lot of things I learned from from having to change, Mm -hmm. change it at work and implement them. Hopefully, I probably don't know everything, but I do my best. (laughs) How about you? Were you planning on traveling and seeing family members or going elsewhere besides our Japan trip?
1: A lot of travel plans, actually. I had Plan to go back to Seattle around May because that's a lot of when our big events for the sorority are and it's close enough to graduation time that I could have just stayed a little bit extra longer so I could you know go to graduation and see so many people that I care about walk across the stage and get their diplomas Mm -hmm. Um, but of course that was derailed. I haven't seen most of my friends in Seattle for over a year. Yeah and that's it's very surreal to think about but because of social media and stuff like thankfully i'm able to keep in touch with them at least and kind of keep updated with what they're going through right now Um, but other than that very very early january my dad and i went to visit um, his mom so my grandma on his side in st louis uh, because that's where her retirement home was and it was close to his older sister So she was close to at least one family and we had visited her. It was the first time I had seen her since middle school, which I felt like it was a little bit out of my control. Mm -hmm. Just because my dad could never take as much time off of work to go travel and see her. He had been making more trips after... Um, he had to help her move into a retirement home because she was getting older. It was a lot of business trips to like get her affairs sorted, move some of her stuff into storages and make sure that she was comfortable in the mm-hmm. retirement home. So it was the first time I had seen her in a while and she didn't recognize me <laughs> when we went to the, her room. We were like, hi! And she was like, who's this? <laughs> I was like, grandma! <laughs> it's me! It's me! So I was able to make that trip and we stayed for around three days and my dad got to show me around St. Louis a little bit because he'd been, and we would visit her in the retirement home, have dinner with her, you know, kind of spend the day with her. And she seemed very healthy at the time. Um, but because of her age, her memory was fading a little Mm. bit. She wouldn't remember certain things that I would tell her, um, very recently that part was kind of hard because the last time i had seen her she was taking care of me because i had a stomach ache Mm -hmm. and now suddenly to see it kind of flip 180 and her needing a wheelchair now it was very very jarring and my dad and i were making plans you know like oh when's the next time we should see her i'm graduated now so i have a lot more free time like maybe we could make another trip in a few months at least like two or three times a year and then covid hit so we could only talk to her through the phone i don't remember which month this was but it was around summertime where we found out that she was having health problems and we think it's stomach cancer Mm -hmm. not completely positive it was something that she had to go into surgery for Mm and sometimes she would be in and out of the hospital. And because we were halfway across the country, we didn't know what to do. It was during COVID, so it's not like we could just fly over there and visit. I mean, I feel like we could have, but it was so in the beginning that we were trying to be as safe as possible. And at the time, they probably weren't even allowing visitors to the retirement center. We just, we really didn't know what to do. And I had never seen my dad feel so helpless Mm. because he's usually... You know, the emotionless Asian dad. He is usually the rock, the anchor to the family. Like, he always has the answers. It was, it was really hard to see him almost go back to, like, a little kid who needed his mom. Mm. Every time, you know, we called, we were getting updates. Um, she seemed to be doing fine. And then we got the call that it wouldn't be long. And it was just, it was crazy because we had just visited her. Mm-hmm. And we were thinking, she has at least five years left five to ten years and it's it's really sad to start putting a time limit on somebody's life but once somebody starts getting older it is something that you have to start thinking about but we were giving it five to ten years and then suddenly it was like we don't know if she's gonna make it a year Mm. and my dad was the most exhausted i've ever seen him he wasn't talking as much anymore and i didn't know what to do to comfort him and he was having you know nightly phone calls with her as often as he could and i would talk to her whenever i could um and it just felt like the the months leading up to the day he was just waiting for the phone call Mm -hmm. of we are so sorry to tell you that your mother is no longer with us And then the day came. It was the middle of the night and me and my mom had already gone upstairs and were getting ready for bed. And I went downstairs for some water. And if I hadn't gone downstairs, I probably wouldn't have known. At least for a few days because he probably would have tried to cope with it a little bit by himself before having to tell us the Mm. news. And it was just, it was so devastating to see my dad like that. I feel like he wanted to cry, but he couldn't and we were it was just we were just making plans to go see her you know and now we can't and he couldn't even be there to help make plans for the funeral i think he felt very out of control as well and that must have been hard COVID took a lot away from him thinking that we had so much time and it was taken away from us was the hardest part and I remember oh man like I wanted to cry so many times but I felt like I couldn't because if I cried then he probably would start crying or he would be like why are you crying stop crying (laughs) the day of the funeral I came downstairs and I think this was just his way of being a part of it but he was on a phone call with Probably um, his sister or his nephew. And I just saw him sitting in a chair facing a corner. And my mom and I didn't want to go disturb him. So we were just standing there watching, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I just, because we're an Asian family, we don't really talk about emotions. We don't express ourselves in, with words most of the time. Or with like clear words of asking how you're doing. If there's anything we can do to help. You know, we have other ways that we show our love. And because I grew up kind of like that, I didn't even know what to say to him to help comfort him. Mm -hmm. And that was probably the hardest part of 2020. That
0: must have been a big loss for not only your dad, but for the whole family to kind of cope with. And not having the, the freedom and safety of visiting your grandmother as often as you would like was probably really hard.
1: Yeah, I'm really grateful that we had made the decision to go see her right before mm-hmm. because it ended up being one of the very few times that I got to see her. And I got to take some, you know, Snapchat selfies with her mm-hmm. that I get to look back on. And you have memories
0: that last with mm-hmm. you. So I would hope that you and your family have healed from that that process together in our own in your own like asian way, mm-hmm. you know, of showing each other that we care and that we're here for one another. But thank you for sharing that.
1: I mean, I I hope that anybody else that might be going through some sort of loss can take comfort in knowing that you're not alone because you aren't. 2020 has been a wild ride. A crazy one at that, too. <laughs> I think there are some silver
0: linings that came out of it. I think we Both came out with an arsenal of... You know, thoughts, experiences and emotions that we carry with us. Um, ending the year off was different than most. Um, Christmas time is actually one of my favorite holidays, mainly because of how joyous and how merry and how, how amazing it is to feel the holiday spirit. And my birthday is pretty close to it too, so it's it's a big celebration. It did feel quite different this time around. Um not being able to see and gather around with a lot of my family members and friends as we usually do.
1: Yeah, I mean, our birthdays are so close to each other that most of the time we just do like a joint thing to yeah. celebrate. And we didn't even get to do that this year.
0: Mm-hmm. And in fact, we do a joint birthday with another friend of ours who has a birthday really close too. Mm-hmm. So that was a big change and it prompted me to think about just how much I went through and how much I've grown and how much I've seen of the world during 2020 and if there's one thing that I've come out of last year with is all the experiences of fighting COVID. Um, As a frontline worker providing essential goods to consumers and being at work, it taught me resilience, it taught me a lot of life lessons during 2020 and how to cope with craziness, how to be okay with not being okay Mm -hmm. and kind of going through that journey of telling yourself it's going to be okay and telling others around you it will be okay. We're going to go through this together. Mm -hmm. Ending off 2020 was very, I don't even know what the word is to describe 2020. It was (laughs) such a mixture and jumble of so many different things and so many different words that it's really hard to encompass what it was because I went through so many emotions. It was truly a roller coaster. Some days were high, some days were low, and many times I struggled to find purpose in what I did day in, day out, and how to see the light at the end of the tunnel. But then I realized that not only I was healthy, my family members were healthy. And that was a huge blessing to me to come out of such a fearful situation that we were safe and chugging along the best we could you know (laughs) that made me a very grateful grateful person and I think I reflected a lot on that and personally I have never had to go through what I had to go through in terms of um, my personal journey in you know taking care of my family taking care of uh, my first big girl job Um, I wanted to do well You know, those things all circled around my head in 2020. But I think I came out of it with a lot of self-growth and development that I didn't think I would go through with just how hard of a time I had last year. But through it all, I am, I'm happy to have gone through everything the way that I did. And seeing how, how strong my family and my friends are, had and still does give me a lot of strength and a lot of hope. So looking forward to 2021, I I hope that we see just more and more improvements and more, more good news.
1: Mm-hmm. 2020 was definitely the toughest year of my life. Um, I think age has always been something that's on my mind. Like, oh, I think I'm too old to do this. Oh, I think I'm too old to start that. And when I turned 23, it kind of hit me that how am I... 23 already and I feel like I haven't accomplished anything. I had just finished an internship at a a broadcast news station up in Seattle and I realized I didn't want to work in local news but I still really loved my journalism degree and my psychology degree and maybe want to do something with that and I paid so much money for it that mm-hmm. you know <laughs> but to me it was like oh I feel like I'm so old and so many people 10 years younger than me have accomplished so much and it's just It's so hard to not compare yourself to others, even though you really shouldn't. You know, everybody is going through life at their own pace. There is this saying, actually, that I saw. Hold on, let me pull it up. Needed to go through all of our bachelor (laughs) messages to each other. What helps me is to remember that popcorn is... Prepared all in the same pot, in the same heat, in the same oil, but they don't pop at the same time. So don't compare yourself to others Mm -hmm. because your time to pop is coming. And I really, really like that because if you want to do something, you are never too old to start. Don't let your age stop you from accomplishing your dreams and your goals. And that is something that stopped me for a really long time because. I was interested in the entertainment world for a while, right? Like modeling and acting because I just love telling stories and acting is, you know, such a great way to do so. Writing is such a great way to do so. But I always felt like my prime time had come and gone and I was competing against all these 12, 15 year olds who had a lot more experience in acting than I did. So turning 23, made me feel even older than I probably actually am and that's why I really really started to look into you know acting classes and things like that because I had taken some a few summers ago when I was in China but I wanted to really really focus on it after graduating I wanted to make sure that I graduated with some degrees that I could find stability in and then I could go into maybe things that I'm passionate about and I think that's almost a very Asian way to do things Mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, being creative when you're Asian, it's almost nobody does that, Mm. right? That's why I felt, you know, so out of control in 2020, because I was already, I was dreading the day I was going to turn 24, because I was thinking this is another year that I've wasted. But I think just motivating myself and telling myself that it doesn't matter what my age is really helped me. And it was something that I had to remind myself a lot. And then I turned 24 at the end of the year, got a really cute surprise from some of my friends with a cake. <laughs> I wonder who that was. I wonder who that was. <laughs> it's. I think it's given me a new hope in 2021 to really take control over what I want to do. And that age is really just a number. Mm. And moving forward, um, we, you, me, one of our friends, we had a picnic and just very spontaneously, you mentioned, yeah, I kind of want to move to like New York or something for a month. And I was like, I kind of want to do that too. And then just from that one day set in motion, this whole plan that we actually made a reality. And I think that just goes to show that you can do anything you set your mind to, you know, and We planned this whole trip where we had one month to get our shit together and March was the month to do that. We found an Airbnb, we planned all the experiences we wanted to do and especially for our own personal goals, what we wanted to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And I'm just so grateful that we were able to do something like this and start to take back control of our lives and where we want to go with it.
0: Hopefully, our experiences and the actions we took to take back control will inspire you to do the same to the best of your ability. And here's to three months in 2021. May it continue to be a journey of growth and hope.
1: Thank you so much for joining us today. Remember, episodes drop every Monday and Thursday. Follow us on Instagram at outofcontrolpod, where we'll be posting some really funny behind the scenes. And we'll see you next time.